Story four, part one of Sea Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock. Sea Stories, edited by Cyrus Townsend Brady. Story four, part one the pilot the hero of cooper's stirring sea tale is a mysterious pilot known as mr gray who during the american revolution came aboard the yankee frigate alliance one stormy night to guide her in a privateering expedition along the east coast of england captain munson had been entrusted by congress with the dangerous errand of venturing into the enemy's own waters in order to capture prize ships and prisoners of war who were to be held for exchange inspired by the pilot's presence the daring yankee bluejackets captured the british cutter alacrity in a sharp contest near the shore following this victory the frigate's officers in council determined upon an invasion of the enemy's country accordingly one night a party of officers and marines from the alliance headed by the pilot himself landed near the abbey of st ruth and after many exciting adventures and narrow escapes secured as prisoners captain borrowcliffe of the king's service Colonel Howard, a wealthy Tory, recently returned from America, and the latter's nieces, Cecilia Howard and Catherine Plowden. Before leaving America, the girls had become engaged to Griffith and Barnstable, young lieutenants on this very frigate, and it was to separate them from their Yankee lovers that Colonel Howard had brought his wards to England guarding them like prisoners at st ruth's moreover mary the midshipman on board the alliance was the girl's favorite cousin they therefore willingly accepted the situation and were not sorry to be transported to the frigate preparing to enjoy a sea voyage in pleasant company but the officers knew that reports of the yankee cruiser must have spread abroad and that pursuit was to be expected the following pages describes the narrow escape of the alliance from a british man-of-war the escape of the american frigate alliance from the pilot by j f cooper furious press the hostile squadron furious he repels their rage loss of blood at length enfeebles who can war with thousands wage spanish war song we cannot detain the narrative to detail the scenes which busy wonder aided by the relation of many marvellous feats produced among the curious seamen who remained in the ship and their more fortunate fellows who had returned glory from an expedition to the land for nearly an hour the turbulence of a general movement was heard issuing from the deep recesses of the frigate and the boisterous sound of hoarse merriment were listened to by the officers in indulgent silence but all those symptoms of unbridled humour ceased by the time the morning repast was ended 
when the regular sea-watch was set, and the greater portion of those whose duty did not require their presence on the vessel's deck, availed themselves of the opportunity to repair the loss of sleep sustained in the preceding night. Still no preparations were made to put the ship in motion, though long and earnest consultations, which were supposed to relate to their future destiny, were observed by the younger officers to be held between their captain, the first lieutenant, and the mysterious pilot. The latter threw many an anxious glance along the eastern horizon, searching it minutely with his glass, and then would turn his impatient look at the low, dense bank of fog, which, stretching across the ocean like a barrier of cloud, entirely intercepted the view towards the south. To the north and along the land the air was clear, and the sea without spot of any kind, but in the east a small white sail had been discovered since the opening of day, which was gradually rising above the water, and assuming the appearance of a vessel of some size. Every officer on the quarter-deck in his turn had examined this distant sail, and had ventured an opinion on its destination and character. And even Catherine, who, with her cousin, was enjoying in the open air the novel beauties of the ocean, had been tempted to place her sparkling eye to a glass, to gaze at the stranger. "'It is a collier,' Griffith said, "'who has hauled from the land in the late gale, and who is luffing up to his course again. If the wind holds here in the south, and he does not get into that fog-bank, we can stand off for him and get a supply of fuel before eight bells are struck. I think his head is to the northward, and that he is steering off the wind, returned the pilot, in a musing manner. If that Dillion succeeded in getting his express far enough along the coast, the alarm has been spread, and we must be wary. The convoy of the Baltic trade is in the North Sea. The news of our presence could easily have been taken off to it by some of the cutters that line the coast. I could wish to get the ships as far south as the Helder. Then we lose this weather tide, exclaimed the impatient Griffith. Surely we have the cutter as a lookout. Besides, by beating into the fog, we shall lose the enemy, if enemy it be. And is it thought right for an American frigate to skulk from her foes? The scornful expression that kindled the eye of the pilot, like a gleam of sunshine lighting for an instant some dark dell and laying bare its secrets, was soon lost in the usually quiet look of his glance, though he hesitated, like one who was struggling with his passions, before he answered, If prudence and the service of the States require it, even this proud frigate must retreat and hide from the meanest of her enemies. My advice, Captain Munson, is that you make sail and beat the ship to the windward, as Mr. Griffith has suggested, and that you order the cutter to precede us, keeping Morian with the land. The aged seaman, who evidently suspended his orders, only to receive an intimation of the other's pleasure, 
immediately commanded his youthful assistant to issue the necessary mandates to put these measures in force accordingly the alacrity which vessel had been left under the command of the junior lieutenant of the frigate was quickly under way and making short stretches to the windward she soon entered the bank of fog and was lost to the eye in the meantime the canvas of the ship was loosened and spread leisurely in order not to disturb the portion of the crew who were sleeping and following her little consort she moved heavily through the water bearing up against the dull breeze the quiet of regular duty had succeeded to the bustle of making sail and as the ray of the sun fell less obliquely on the distant land catherine and cecilia were amusing griffith by vain attempts to point out the rounded eminences which they fancy lay in the vicinity of the deserted mansion of st ruth barnstable who had resumed his former station in the frigate as her second lieutenant was pacing the opposite side of the quarter-deck holding under his arm the speaking trumpet which denoted that he held the temporary control of the motions of the ship and inwardly cursing the restraint that kept him from the side of his mistress at this moment of universal quiet when nothing above low dialogues interrupted the dashing of the waves as they were thrown lazily aside by the bows of the vessel the report of a light cannon burst out of the barrier of fog and then rolled by them on the breeze apparently vibrating with the rising and sinking of the waters there goes the cutter exclaimed griffith the instant the sound was heard surely said the captain summers is not so indiscreet as to scale his guns after the caution he has received no idle scaling of guns is intended there said the pilot straining his eyes to pierce the fog but soon turning away in disappointment at his inability to succeed that gun is shotted and has been fired in the hurry of a sudden signal can your lookout see nothing mr barnstable the lieutenant of the watch hailed the man aloft and demanded if anything were visible in the direction of the wind and received for answer that the fog intercepted the view in that quarter of the heavens but that the sail in the east was a ship running large or before the wind the pilot shook his head doubtingly at this information but still he manifested a strong reluctance to relinquish the attempt of getting more to the southward again he communed with the commander of the frigate apart from all other ears and while they yet deliberated a second report was heard leaving no doubt that the alacrity was firing signal guns for their particular attention perhaps said griffith he wishes to point out his position or to ascertain ours believing that we are lost like himself in the mist we have our compasses returned the doubting captain summers has a meaning in what he says see cried catherine with girlish delight see my cousin see barnstable how beautifully that vapour is wreathing itself in clouds above the smoky line of fog 
It stretches already into the very heavens like a lofty pyramid. Barnstable sprang lightly on a gun as he repeated her words. Pyramids of fog and wreathing clouds. By heavens, he shouted, "'Tis a tall ship. Royals, sky sails, and studding sails all abroad. She is within a mile of us and comes down like a racehorse with a spanking breeze, dead before it. Now we know why Summers is speaking in the mist. Aye, cried Griffith, and there goes the alacrity, just breaking out of the fog, hovering in for the land. There is a mighty hull under all that cloud of canvas, Captain Munson, said the observant but calm pilot. It is time, gentlemen, to edge away to leeward. What, before we know from whom we run, cried Griffith? My life on it. There is no single ship King George owns, but would tire of the sport before she had played a full game of bowls with. The haughty air of the young man was daunted by the severe look he encountered in the eye of the pilot, and he suddenly ceased, though inwardly chafing with impatient pride. The same eye that detected the canvas above the fog might have seen the flag of a vice-admiral fluttering still nearer the heavens, returned the collected stranger, and England, faulty as she may be, is yet too generous to place a flag officer in time of war in command of a frigate or a captain in command of a fleet. She knows the value of those who shed their blood in her behalf, and it is thus that she is so well served. Believe me, Captain Munson, there is nothing short of a ship of the line under the symbol of rank and that broad show of canvas. We shall see, sir, we shall see, returned the old officer, whose manner grew decided, as the danger appeared to thicken. Beat to quarters, Mr. Griffith, for we have none but enemies to expect on this coast. The order was instantly issued when Griffith remarked with a more temperate zeal, If Mr. Gray be right, we shall have reason to thank God that we are so light of heel. The cry of the strange vessel close abroad the frigate, having already flown down the hatches, the ship was in an uproar at the first tap of the drum. The seamen threw themselves from their hammocks, and lashing them rapidly into long, hard bundles, they rushed to the decks, where they were dexterously stowed in the netting, to aid the defences of the upper part of the vessel. While this tumultuous scene was exhibiting, Griffith gave a secret order to Mary, who disappeared, leading his trembling cousins to a place of safety in the inmost depths of the ship. The guns were cleared of their lumber and loosened. The bulkheads were knocked down, and the cabin relieved of its furniture, and the gun-deck exhibited one unbroken line of formidable cannon, arranged in all the order of a naval battery ready to engage. Arm-chests were thrown open, and the decks strewed with pikes, cutlasses, pistols, and all the various weapons for boarding. In short, the yards were slung, and every other arrangement was made with readiness and dexterity that were actually wonderful. Though all was performed amid an 
appearance of disorder and confusion that rendered the ship another babel during the continuance of the preparations in a very few minutes everything was completed and even the voices of the men ceased to be heard answering to their names as they were mustered at their stations by their respective officers gradually the ship became as quiet as the grave and when even griffith or his commander found it necessary to speak their voices were calmer and their tones more mild than usual the course of the vessel was changed to an oblique line from that in which their enemy was approaching though the appearance of flight was to be studiously avoided to the last moment when nothing further remained to be done every eye became fixed on the enormous pile of swelling canvas that was rising in cloud over cloud far above the fog and which was manifestly moving like driving vapor swiftly to the north presently the dull smoky boundary of the mist which rested on the water was pushed aside in vast volumes and the long tapered spars that projected from the bowsprit of the strange ship issued from the obscurity and were quickly followed by the whole of the enormous fabric to which they were merely light appendages for a moment streaks of reluctant vapor clung to the huge floating pile but they were soon shaken off by the rapid vessel and the whole of her black hull became distinct to the eye one two three rows of teeth said boltroff deliberately counting the tiers of guns that bristled along the sides of the enemy a three-decker john manley would show his stern to such a fellow and even the scotsman would run hard up with your helm quartermaster cried captain munson there is indeed no time to hesitate with such an enemy within a quarter of a mile turn the hands up mr griffith and pack on the ships from her trucks to her lower studding sail booms be stirring sir be stirring hard up with your helm hard up sir the unusual earnestness of their aged commander acted on the startled clue like a voice from the deep and they waited not for the usual signals of the boatswain and the drummer to be given before they broke away from their guns and rushed tumultuously to aid in spreading the desired canvas there was one minute of ominous confusion that to an inexperienced eye would have foreboded the destruction of all order in the vessel during which every hand and each tongue seemed in motion but it ended in opening the immense folds of light duct which were displayed along the whole line of the mass far beyond the ordinary sails overshadowing the waters for a great distance on either side of the vessel during the moment of inaction that succeeded this sudden exertion the breeze which had brought up the three-decker fell fresher on the sails of the frigate and she started away from her dangerous enemy with a perceptible advantage in point of sailing the fog rises cried griffith give us but the wind for an hour and we shall run her out of gunshot these nineties are very fast off the wind returned the captain in a low tone that was intended only for the ears of his first lieutenant and the pilot and we shall have a struggle for it 
the quick eye of the stranger was glancing over the movements of his enemy while he answered he finds we have the heels of him already he is making ready and we shall be fortunate to escape a broadside let her yaw a little mr griffith touch her lightly with the helm if we are raked sir we are lost the captain sprang on the taffrail of his ship with the activity of a younger man and in an instant he perceived the truth of the other's conjecture both vessels now ran for a few minutes keenly watching each other's motions like two skilful combatants the english ship making a slight deviation from the line of her course and then as her movements were anticipated by the other turning as cautiously in the opposite direction until a sudden and wide sweep of her huge bows told the americans plainly on which tack to expect her captain munson made a silent but impressive gesture with his arm as if the crisis were too important for speech which indicated to the watchful griffith the way he wished the frigate sheared to avoid the weight of the impending danger both vessels whirled swiftly up to the wind with their heads towards the land and as the huge black side of the three-decker checkered with its triple batteries frowned full upon her foe it belched forth a flood of fire and smoke accompanied by a bellowing roar that mocked the surly moanings of the sleeping ocean the nerves of the bravest man in the frigate contracted their fibres as the hurricane of iron hurtled by them and each eye appeared to gaze in stupid wonder as if tracing the flight of the swift engines of destruction but the voice of captain munson was heard in the din shouting while he waved his hat earnestly in the required direction meet her meet her with the helm boy meet her mr griffith meet her griffith had so far anticipated this movement as to have already ordered the head of the frigate to be turned in its former course when struck by the unearthly cry of the last tones uttered by his commander he bent his head and beheld the venerable seaman driven through the air his hat still waving his gray hair floating in the wind and his eyes set in the wild look of death great god exclaimed the young man rushing to the side of the ship where he was just in time to see the lifeless body disappear in the waters that were dyed in its blood he has been struck by a shot lower away the boats lower away the jolly boat the barge the tiger the tis useless interrupted the calm deep voice of the pilot he has met a warrior's end and sleeps in a sailor's grave the ship is getting before the wind again and the enemy is keeping his vessel away the youthful lieutenant was recalled by these words to his duty and reluctantly turned his eyes away from the bloody spot on the waters which the busy frigate had already passed to resume the command of the vessel with a forced composure he has cut some of our running gear said the master whose eye had never ceased to dwell on the spars and rigging of the ship and there's a splinter out of the main top mast that is big enough for a fid he has let daylight through some of our canvas too 
but taking it by and large the squall has gone over and little harm done didn't i hear something said of captain munson getting jammed by a shot he is killed said griffith speaking in a voice that was yet husky with horror he is dead sir and carried overboard there is more need than we forget not ourselves in this crisis dead said boltroff suspending the operation of his active jaws for a moment in surprise and buried in a wet jacket well it is lucky tis no worse for damned if i did not think every stick in the ship would have been cut out of her with this consolatory remark on his lips the master walked slowly forward continuing his orders to repair the damages with a singleness of purpose that rendered him however uncouth as a friend an invaluable man in his station griffith had not yet brought his mind to the calmness that was so essential to discharge duties which had thus suddenly and awfully devolved on him when his elbow was lightly touched by the pilot who had drawn closer to his side the enemy appeared satisfied with the experiment said the stranger and as we work the quicker of the two he loses too much ground to repeat it if he be a true seaman and yet he finds we leave him so fast returned griffith he must see that all his hopes rest in cutting us up aloft i dread that he will come by the wind again and lay us under his broadside we should need a quarter of an hour to run without his range if he were anchored he plays a sure game see you not that the vessel we made in the eastern board shows the hull of the frigate tis past a doubt that they are of one squadron and that the expresses have sent them in our wake the english admiral has spread a broad clue mr griffith and as he gathers in his ships he sees that his game has been successful the faculties of griffith had been too much occupied with the hurry of the chase to look at the ocean but startled at the information of the pilot who spoke coolly though like a man sensible of the existence of approaching danger he took the glass from the other and with his own eye examined the different vessels in sight it is certain that the experienced officer whose flag was flying above the light sails of the three-decker saw the critical situation of his chase and reasoned much in the same manner as the pilot or the fearful expedient apprehended by griffith would have been adopted prudence however dictated that he should prevent his enemy from escaping by pressing so closely on his rear as to render it impossible for the american to haul across his bows and run into the open sea between his own vessel and the nearest frigate of his squadron the unpractised reader will be able to comprehend the case better by accompanying the understanding eye of griffith as it glanced from point to point following the whole horizon to the west lay the land along which the alacrity was urging her way industriously with the double purpose of keeping her concert abeam and of avoiding a dangerous proximity to their powerful enemy to the east bearing off the starboard bow of the american frigate 
was the vessel first seen and which now began to exhibit the hostile appearance of a ship of war steering in a line converging towards themselves and rapidly drawing nigher while far in the northeast was a vessel as yet faintly discerned whose evolutions could not be mistaken by one who understood the movements of nautical warfare we are hemmed in effectually said griffith dropping the glass from his eye and i know not but our wisest course would be to haul in to land and cutting everything light adrift endeavor to pass the broadside of the flagship provided she left a rag of canvas to do it with returned the pilot sir tis an idle hope she would strip your ship in ten minutes to her plank shears had it not been for a lucky wave on which so many of her shots struck and glanced upward we should have nothing to boast of left from the fire she has already given we must stand on and drop the three-decker as far as possible but the frigates said griffith what are we to do with the frigates fight them returned the pilot in a low determined voice fight them young man i have borne the stars and stripes aloft in greater straits than this and even with honour think not that my fortune will desert me now we shall have an hour of desperate battle on that we may calculate but i have lived through whole days of bloodshed you seem not one to quail at the sight of an enemy let me proclaim your name to the men said griffith twill quicken their blood and at such a moment be the host in itself they want it not returned the pilot checking the hasty zeal of the other with his hand i would be unnoticed unless i am known as becomes me i will share your danger but would not rob you of a title of your glory should we come to grapple he continued while a smile of conspicuous pride gleamed across his face i will give forth the word as a war-cry and believe me these english will quail before it griffith submitted to the stranger's will and after they had deliberated further on the nature of their evolutions he gave his attention again to the management of the vessel the first object which met his eye on turning from the pilot was colonel howard pacing the quarter-deck with a determined brow and a haughty mane as if already in the enjoyment of that triumph which now seemed certain i fear sir said the young man approaching him with respect that you will soon find the deck unpleasant and dangerous your words are mention not the unworthy term interrupted the colonel what greater pleasure can there be than to inhale the odor of loyalty that is wafted from yonder floating tower of the king and danger you know but little of old george howard young man if you think he would for thousands miss seeing that symbol of rebellion leveled before the flag of his majesty if that be your wish colonel howard returned griffith biting his lip as he looked around at the wondering seamen who were listeners you will wait in vain but i pledge you my word that when that time arrives you shall be advised and that your own hand shall do the ignoble deed edward griffith why not this moment 
this is your moment of probation submit to the clemency of the crown and yield your crew to the royal mercy in such a case i would remember the child of my brother harry's friend and believe me my name is known to the ministry and you misguided and ignorant abettors of rebellion cast aside your useless weapons or prepare to meet the vengeance of yonder powerful and victorious servant of your prince fall back back with ye fellows cried griffith fiercely to the men who were gathering around the colonel with looks of sullen vengeance if a man of you dare approach him he shall be cast into the sea the sailors retreated at the order of their commander but the elated veteran had continued to pace the deck for many minutes before stronger interests diverted the angry glances of the seamen to other objects end of story four part one